Welcome to the Disentanglement Podcast. Uh, today is the fourth in a series we've been doing on the privacy and security dilemmas that travel causes in our modern world, connected as we are by our phones and um, our payments and our computers and our internet, etc., etc., etc. Today we're going to talk about border crossing, border crossing, and the various rules and restrictions um, and I- invasions that happen to one's data and one's uh, autonomy in such matters. Now, of course, legally, this is completely understandable. Our law in the modern world is based upon a state. A state is the one ultimately who is the guarantor of the law, and therefore crossing borders, one is crossing from one jurisdiction into another, and um, therefore I guess it does make some kind of sense that uh, there is a somewhat rigorous process for doing that. Now, in our modern world, we've been lulled um, into thinking this should be an easy thing, um, and it has been regularly in the past um, uh, 20 years or so, but it is becoming more difficult, and uh, the current state of the pandemic and the um, concerns over infection uh, that it has caused both internally and and globally have made it uh, all the more difficult still. And I have told multiple people, much to their surprise, uh, that 100 years ago, before World War I, there were practically, in Europe, no border restrictions at all. You didn't even need a passport. No just, passports. You can just I mean, I remember how exciting it was to get my first passport and to see the stamps accumulate and the longer-term visas accumulate for the various countries I've lived in. And, you know, because you just accept a national state as a given and the, you know, of course, you change jurisdictions and, of course, you don't want smuggling and you don't want, you know, like laborers coming in and working without paying taxes and horrifying things like that. But I do remember... That, in fact, is a big part of it. Yeah, I know. I do remember, you know, I guess we've already given away our country of origin if our accents didn't already. I remember back in the day when you could just drive between the United States and Canada one way or another, and there were no passports, there was barely any border control at all. Like, you would just stop and they would say, hey, where have you been? Where are you going? Did you buy any cigarettes? Have a nice day, you know, and like yeah. that was it. And it was only slightly more restrictive uh, going into Mexico. I think you needed to show your driver's license, but there cer- yeah. certainly was not before 9 11, 2001, uh, September 11th, um, and the terrorist uh, attacks, there w- was no need for showing a passport going in and out of Canada or the United States. And that has changed since then. Yeah, because that's where the terrorists come from, obviously. Okay, well, as uh, listeners by now know, we do not live in our country of origin, and we still have managed not to disclose. There might be enough data points from this for someone to piece it together if they want to, but we're still going to play at this because we consider this as part of the comedic value add of our podcast. Uh, If you strongly disagree and want us to go straight, you know. Send an email to a non-existent um, address that we will never check or monitor. <laughs> okay, so we're going to actually start this Send story. Send it to the ombudsman at disentanglement.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start this story a year ago. Right, before. In the summer of 2021. Right, before. Before our awakening. Our awakening, To yes. uh, the fire hose of data that is our lives and our desire to rein it in as much as we can practically and legally and um, without being total asses do. 
Yeah. Though I think somehow what happened last summer related to our re-entry to our country of yeah, residence it was, it may was be a precipitating factor. invasive. Incredibly. But I'm saying I think it was a precipitating okay. factor into our finally like cluing in. Okay, so it wasn't. So I heard worse stories. So, for example, this, this is this would have been 2021. So still pretty strict um, restrictions on movement because of the coronavirus um, pandemic concerns about infection. Because, of course, you can prevent a microscopic <laughs> organism from traveling across borders by simply closing borders down. That's logical and biologically sound. Right. Well, um, even without that question, that being the case, none, there were countries which were even stricter. I heard stories of people who needed to go to Hong Kong. Um, and in Hong Kong, you were ushered to a very special hotel um, only for people uh, uh, who had come in on the flight, uh, very strictly regulated. And you were a bracelet uh, was put around your ankle or an anklet um, like you were a, a prisoner, basically a geofence, and um, your food was brought to you in a hotel, and they knocked on the door and left it to you, and people were put there for two weeks in a little tiny little hotel room with an, with an anklet to prevent them from leaving. So they were basically okay. prisoners. But this is the People's Republic of China, okay? But in places who ostensibly do not have that form of government, like Australia, you were also ushered into a quarantine hotel and kept there for two weeks under lock and key. And there are other parts of Asia where we know that if you came from certain countries, they would lock you up for several weeks and you would not be allowed to move. Right. So So anyway, that, that just... Which is to say that uh, coming home uh, a year over a year ago, um, we had a, a very rather um, alarming experience in returning to our country of residence. But we were not locked up anywhere. No, we weren't so locked up anywhere. I but just want to make that clear. We have huge issues with the lockup, but that is somewhat separate from the specific cyber disentanglement that we are focusing on. So, here. so why don't we just say what happened when we when we did okay. it last time? So last so summer twenty twenty one, in order to re enter our country of residence, we all of course had to get COVID tests. Big surprise there. We had to get COVID tested again on arrival, but more significantly for our particular purposes here, we each had to have a functional smartphone. Right. Uh, the two adults, us in the household, have um, like phone and internet connected smartphones. Our son has a non-phone connected old smartphone with restricted internet access on it. And we brought that along knowing that we would need to have him have a smartphone that could have an app function on it. Right. So we arrive, we have to go through all of this process of downloading two apps. No, this is way be before we arrive. Yeah, but I don't think we actually did anything with it until we landed. This oh, time okay. was this when is, we... That's 2021. Yeah, so that's in 2021, we land, we uh, get our tests, and while the tests are processing, we have to go to a separate center. And let me just say, like, this was like an amazing... Um, government employment program <laughs> for bored young people. <laughs> I mean, it was like armies of young kids who obviously knew how phones and apps worked, who had been hired and just hanging around waiting for each new flight to come in. And not many flights were coming into and our country of residence. Not many people many flights. Yeah, but even so, and so we had to download the apps. We had to fill in all this information on each one of them. Blah, 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 blah. It took about two hours to go through the entire right. like obstacle course yeah, of well, this portion of the I mean, the whole app thing was less than that. But also that they they when we installed the apps, I remember this very distinctly because I'm a little bit of a control freak about the settings on mm -hmm. my uh, phone and my computer. And 
the, 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 la- the nice lady who was showing us how it worked, because I always turn off my, um, even then, even before my awakening, I, I turned off location services. I turned off um, all kinds of um, tracking, DNS, uh, JavaScript, all this sort of stuff. And um, the lady just went through all my settings and, oh, this needs to be turned off. Turn- this needs to be turned on, turned on, turned on. She basically went in through all the settings and turned on all of the tracking stuff that I had turned off. Right. And this was before you were even deeply alarmed, and yet it still was alarming. Because, like, the, the app wasn't working. She's like, oh, well, you just needed this and this and this and right. this and this. It's like, okay. So, that's, in fact, um, you're trying to make your smartphone a non-surveillance machine, um, but in order for this app to run, we need it to be a surveillance uh, machine. The whole point of it was your own personal surveillance device. Right. I mean, very, very clearly. Right. Now, I mean, this this is one of the extremely awkward things about being an international person. You realize really fast that the place where you have a passport and are a citizen is the place that you can even begin to attempt to fight back. If you are a guest in another country nowadays, you don't have any rights. I mean, certain kind of rights, but honestly, you don't really have any rights. And Well, and it's not really our place here to... Well, but but is it worse? Stink. Yeah. Well, I know, but I mean, this is the whole question of like, how much do borders count? (laughs) You know, like this is this could be. I mean, in in my more alarmed moments, like this is the future of the world at stake, and because these actually technologies are totally borderless, there's something weirdly inappropriate about respecting national borders when they are violating privacy to this. And I did hear actually that the app that we use to come into our current country of residence was picked up by several other countries and is used um, to facilitate their um, entry entry quarantine process as did, well. Did they pioneer it here? I mean, is it indigenous to this country? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I would just say, like, generally, there has been much less lockdown and surveillance overall during COVID within this country. Yes. So maybe, though, I mean, again, uh, having this kind of surveillance app for non-citizens is super well, it's creepy. A, wait, I mean, to interpret it politically, it is what is necessary for the administration to do to show that it to its people that it is being very vigilant. Right. You have a great phrase for this. A security theater? Yes. Well, yeah. Yes. I don't but know. particularly for the citizens. So you show your citizens that you're being protective of them by being particularly harsh on non-citizens and people who've dared to exit the uh, properly quarantined right. location. Because nothing ever bad comes of indicating to citizens that people of a different racial, ethnic, or national origin carry pathogens in their body that could endanger their fellow citizens. Nothing bad in history has ever happened like that. Yeah, well, I'm, okay. but yeah, honestly, right, right, quarantine right. Has, is a very, very old tradition. Okay. Still, having different quarantine policies for citizens and non-citizens... That is true. That makes no sense whatsoever. That, no, that is true. That is there fiction. Is. That is not... Yeah. So that is right. Okay. Uh, citizens did not have to go through the same process that we had to go through. Okay. So, however, because we actually have a home that we live in here, um, we did not have to go to a quarantine hotel. We also were not coming from one of the highest alarm countries into this one. We are a lower risk country. But lower we, but risk we country. did need to... But we did need to quarantine, quarantine at home for at two home weeks. For and two, we need, For two weeks. For two full whole weeks. Days. And we had to have someone come pick us up. We could not take any form of public transit right. back so, home. Right. And we had to testify that's what we were going to do. And so what happened then, as soon as we got home, what we had to do is open the apps and indicate, like press a button. I am would, home now. Yes. That would GPS indicate where home was. Right. 
And then for the next 14 days, it didn't start on that day, it started on the next day, what would happen is once a day, we would be prompted to answer a question about our health. Basically, did we have a fever or any other symptoms, yes or no? Twice a day, a little um, thing would pop up on the screen and say, press this button now to indicate that you're at home. So it's count. So basically, it's a randomly timed thing, though usually there's one in the morning, one in the evening, for you to prove that you were actually in your correct GPS location with the idea that you couldn't cheat. Right. Um, or, you know, you could obviously have someone else do it for you if they were home watching your phone. And also we noticed it was it never took place between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. <laughs> so, like, if you wanted to go out to, um, say, a bar <laughs> and, suppose you could and breathe on people while you were drinking at night and just left your phone home, how would they know? Which is but- partly what's so ridiculous about surveillance apps and quarantine is because there were just so many ways to slip through the net but you had to play along which of course is how these creepy policies come in is everybody plays along with the fiction and accepts it like it's real and that just paves the way for the the next thing and the next thing and so the the final thing that the app did was once a day at some random point would call you a video call you Mm -hmm. and almost every day before people who came in a few months before we did that actually saw another person it was a video call mm-hmm. and the person was basically verifying that the real you were the real person you hadn't just hand uh, hand off your phone to a family member or a right. you know somebody else or a photo of yourself photo or something to just, mm-hmm. so it was a video and they would just verify your identity by the time we did it it was automated you so just like held up so you held the up the phone was like, around your yeah face. The, so the oval so obviously they had some kind of machine learning thing kind of make matching it up to your government ID, I guess. Yeah, or um, the photo they took of you or the, at yeah, the beginning. I, I don't know. But you had to hold it up for a full 30 seconds and just full, yeah, stare at it. Yeah, and I have to say, by the end of the two weeks, I was like making... making <laughs> no, I was making speeches. <laughs> I was making the closest I could get right. to civil disobedience speeches. I'm sure no one ever looked at them. They're just filed away somewhere. Yeah, well, maybe recorded, maybe not. Who knows? And um, one time, um, our son... Um, one time got a call from a real person, mm. um, maybe because every once in a while they just do a real person. Um, it could be that maybe the video didn't work and the lighting was funny or whatever. Mm. Anyway, he got a call from a real person to verify that right. it was, in fact, him. Uh, so that that's what happened. So we, for an entire two weeks, we had to stay in, um, in at home. And, and so, we did. And we, we, did. Had we had friends brought us groceries. Brought us we got groceries. some delivery. Yeah. You guys built a little porch in the back. Yeah, we, did. we 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 had stockpiled some projects. Watched uh, a lot of movies, lot of but movies. like we and I, I have to admit, um, very early in the morning, before the thing was likely to come on, I left my phone behind. I listened to an old iPod with no speed up option, which was extremely maddening. And um, I went for walks first, just like close to home, and then I got farther and farther away when it seemed pretty safe that they weren't yeah. going to call. And it, so, uh, the weather being so hot, fact, it was fine. In fact, the people coming around. in. Um, kind of told us well you know we probably won't call it like very early in the morning or very late at night so mostly during the day so they were kind of telling you that we're not like china that puts a bracelet around your anklet <laughs> but um we we're gonna check up on you and you know be respectful and um we won't ask any more questions. I have to say, I mean, like, that's obviously not as creepy as the Hong Kong anklet. <laughs> but there is something also creepy about, like, the soft, friendly version of the surveilling bu- bureaucracy. Like, really? We're doing it for your own good, you yeah. know? Like, it's very, it's easier to know who your enemy is when they're just like, we're tracking you and we're punishing you for yeah, being Yeah, well, bad. I mean, it's, it, 
on the positive side, in this case, uh, we're not giving anybody any information they don't know already. Mm-hmm. I mean, the government in our country of residence, they know who we are, they know where we live. Um, so in, in that sense, we're not giving them anything that's that's um, yeah. that's more revealing than anything they would but have But still known consenting to the whole thing is... it. it deeply violated my sense of what is right and good for our world and it seemed like a step in the wrong direction yes well again uh, as people publicly speak of it it it's because it is quarantine it's because there's a pandemic uh, extreme measures are called for you can talk anybody into anything on those kind of grounds i'm only saying that is that that is the the public rhetoric and um the danger though is that Uh, Now that the precedent has been set, um, the bar will be continually lowered Mm. and such um, invasive measures will be taken for less and And it will always be argued as for your own good and protection and that of your neighbors. Right. Always. Okay. So that was was, last summer. And within, I guess, now that I think of it, a month or so of our return, we both like had, I guess we're calling it the awakening now, (laughs) where finally uh, the hard reality broke through to us. And um, yeah, we've detailed that er earlier in our um, podcast. uh, Yeah, but I think it was that experience of... It was a it was um, eye opening moment to see through the power, the suggestive power of the app, and us being non citizen residents are the necessity of us to comply. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing how social control um, begins to exercise itself. Well, and just because you could, I think that's really the the most basic point. Because they could track. They did it. Right. If there had been no smartphones, none of this would have happened. It uh, just wouldn't have happened because no. it couldn't have just, happened. But just, because it just, can happen, it does happen. Just like just like um, work from home would not have happened if Zoom didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. No, the whole lockdown would not have happened if there hadn't been an internet. So like part of what's and happening didn't in happen this whole... to people who didn't use internet for their work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, th- and we tell them that they're heroes for going out there and suffering on behalf of all of us, while the upper class people who can Zoom from home. Okay, I'm sorry if you had a rough at-home pandemic, especially with small children, but we're trying to look at the bigger picture here. Okay, right. so let's talk about this summer. This summer. So we've already mentioned we had to get COVID tests again and prove that they we were negative coming into and the country. that was in- invasive in the sense I mentioned last time that I had to email my a photo of my passport, which I believe is actually illegal to do in the United States, right. or at least arguably is illegal right um, but nonetheless i had to do it i needed to go and like they wouldn't give me the results without it so what am i i i, I was trapped right I also was... i if you don't want me to say this i will i'll delete this out but actually you and i both got COVID over the summer we did we very unmistakably got COVID over the summer however we both made the decision not to have any official tests done because right. we did not want to consent to biological surveillance that would evaluate our risk to the the rest of the world based on whether or not we were vaccinated or not, whether we'd had COVID or not, what nature of immunity we had or not. We decided against that. However, even if we had gotten positively tested and, you know, had documentation that we'd had it, it would have made no impact on our coming into our country of residence. It would not matter if we no, had... No, because they have to apply the rule uniformly to everybody. This is the whole problem with bureaucracy. Anyway, so we're going to keep that in, I take it then? 
Uh, I suppose, yes. Okay. All right. So <laughs> so this time, so we had to have the test to prove we were negative. And this time, we did not have to quarantine. So that was right. definitely an improvement as far as we were concerned. But we still had to download one of the two apps from last summer just to get into the country. Um, right. As soon as we were there, it was very clear from our country of, of departure from our flights, there was no need to quarantine. So this within 12 hours of getting home, when I was sure that they weren't calling us, I deleted the apps from the phone just like I did last summer when our 14 days were instructions on the country's health and welfare website that said no quarantine necessary yeah and that was still creepy because we had to like upload the pdfs of our test and all this kind of stuff but actually the part that we're gonna that we're concerned with here is not actually the legal or border restrictions but actually what we had to do to get the app to function on our son's phone right so our son had uh, has an older uh, phone um, and I have taken pains to make it as uh, optimally functional for a very limited number of things and um, turned off everything else that I could. Yeah, including both um, unlimited access to things that one does not want one's teen getting into. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a, bu- a bunch of blocks on it, basically. Right. But also to prevent other programs from tracking his right. data. yeah. Because we're interested yeah. in tracking him. So I want to make sure that yeah. his phone is not a tracking device, at least as much as is possible, given what we know. So right. anyway, I, I I went through all the settings. and Long yeah, ago already. Long ago. And yeah. uh, any of you who are interested, you can go to um, uh, thenewoil.org, and you will see a very long list on how to harden your phone Mm. Uh, in such a degree, which I went through and did and um, felt pretty good about it it being less invasive than it could have been. But in order to get all these applications to work, um, again, as we had to do the summer before, you had to undo (laughs) all of that information. You had to turn on, you had to turn on JavaScript. You had to, um, you had to turn on, of course, turn on your location services. You had to do all kinds of things in order to make it uh, into an appropriate tracking device. And it was probably so like you and I or our son and I left together. You came later mm-hmm. and we had no trouble getting the app to work on my phone, even though I have quite a few of the same right. tracking but restrictions. I think on, but I think it's because it mine is quite a bit newer. Right, it's an older phone. And so our son's is older. It's older. So it didn't have there's something that was missing on it that made it necessary to um to do all of this. So even though we got to the airport very early, you accompanied us there. It took a long time. And in the end, it turns out that whatever the form they were asking him to fill out was not possible to fill out on a browser on his phone. It just wouldn't work. And so I had to... After stripping away uh, every single (laughs) restriction you put I had to send the very long link um, as a message to myself um, and then fill out the form on my computer... And I think you set up our mobile Wi-Fi thing, right? In order to right. get non-airport well, the airport, network. The, the airport right? Wi-Fi would probably have worked. But then yeah. again, that, would, that of course, is a big data leak. So anyway. Exactly. And this was all of our COVID and medical information. Right. So right. yeah, then, we're, then we would have been up. Well, it would have been secured if it was over an HTTPS connection, a secured connection. Okay. It likely not would, have, would not have leaked. I'll just be honest. Okay. Um, however, it turned out to be a big rigmarole mm-hmm. um, because the phone uh, was old and didn't function properly. And so effectively, um, it means that in order to travel in this brave new world, you need to have a very recently updated smartphone. That is like America has its car tax, 
Um, apparently, the travel tax now will be a very recent yes. smartphone. You need to have you a passport, have a visa, a credit card, and a recent smartphone. And a recent tracking device. Right. Yeah, yeah so that seems to be a, a, a growing... Now, granted, most people already do, uh, so it's not unreasonable for them to behave in that in such a way. But on the other hand, it is a big tracking device, and I think that... Um, um, it would be better if we lived in a world where that was not a requirement. Well, it, it used to be the only way you were tracked was by, you know, scanning or typing in your passport number right. as you pass through borders. That was the extent of right, it. Right. And maybe if you were a longer term resident and you had a visa, you know, you went to an office and filled in some paperwork. Right. Right. But now just the thing you carry with you to listen to music right. and right. send texts to your friends and family is being used to monitor so much about you, where you are at all times and all this right. information and can be, you know, expanded to all these novel uses. Right. Uh, novel and um, interesting uses, if you are the state. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things I, w- I want to note. Uh, a year ago, when we first came in, if it was possible to come in without a smartphone, um, and it was possible to not use your own smartphone if you didn't if you didn't want to install invasive apps, but then you would have had to rent one from them. Um, and use that for the two week period, and it was not cheap. And it was not cheap. It was one hundred and twenty dollars or something like that. It was. It was. Um, yeah. It was. It was expensive, ten bucks a day or whatever, something like that. And then this year, I did find out coming through when we did come through, um, we did the app and you uploaded your stuff in it, and it, and it kind of went from yellow, it went from like one color to color. Oh, yeah, like right. finally had like a f- color like green to go or something. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Um, I did discover coming into the country when I there were two lines, and if you had done the app. You got through the fast line, mm, right. but if you hadn't done the app, you had to go through the slow line. Mm-hmm. So it appears that you didn't need to necessarily need to have done the whole app thing. Oh, I think you did, because remember when I went to check in, the the person I working think, at the I counter think, said you have to do I that think to advance. For citizens, they did not have to. Oh, okay, yeah, that's because probably it. there were certainly people when I came in on my flight who were not in, did not have the app. Yeah. And we're not going... See, I think the country that we're in has a lot more restrictions on what the government can do to mess with the citizens. Right. Well, actually, I think our country of origin also has those legal strictures in place. They've just been massively ignored. <laughs> yeah. But this country, I think, um, is more observant of its own constitutional protections of the citizens. And so probably they could like try to encourage you to use the app and make it easier, but they probably couldn't force you to. Yeah. Well, I mean, our own country of origin does similar things, so... Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that is uh, one more um, caveat to put at the end is that um, it seemed to have been not necessary for citizens to do it, but right. um, for us non-citizens, uh, the one the one thing you now need to have if you are over, if you I think you were over twelve, you needed to have your yeah. own smart, smart smartphone in order to be able to do these procedures. Yeah, that's really if you if yeah. you were traveling with children twelve or under, I think you as the parent or guardian could do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm This whole experience has left me really wondering about the long-term future for us and international travel because it just seems it's primed the pump for increasing tracking and surveillance. And again, you know, changing jurisdictions because that's how it exists now. I can understand that to a degree. But I find because it's correlated to so much other data about you and there are so many, you know, non-national and transnational actors interested in plundering this data and... How good are the security and privacy regulations in different countries? Uh, they're no better. They're no better uh, at the government than they are anywhere else. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, that's that's something I'm just kind of going to keep my yeah, eyes on I, for I, the future. Yeah, I'm I'm not um, 
definitely not the Unabomber and wanting to retreat to a cabin in the middle of uh, uh, Idaho or Montana, but I, I'm understanding and sympathizing more with people who simply kind of want to opt out of um, this um, panopticon um, in which we're living. Yeah, I think it's very unfortunate that it even came to your mind to negatively compare yourself to the Unabomber as if like that's where <laughs> people's mind go. And I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why people accept so many of these invasions because like it's so effective to say, well, if you're opposed to this then you're like Amish or the Unabomber or like I read about this like hyper fundamentalist family that refused to have birth certificates for any of their children because right. they declared that according to some law in Georgia in 1743, everyone's their own sovereign state. And it meant that their daughter could never leave home, could never get a checking account, could never rent an apartment, could never go to school because she had no established identity. Yeah. That, so like I can me... be, I can be alarmed by what identity stuff is happening now, but like that is not, a feasible alternative and the fact that people assume that that's the only alternative to total tracking total surveillance i just yeah i guess i don't want you even to jokingly make the comparison because i think that just feeds into the the um com complicity well the complicity citizens. and the the relegation of those who resist as being total um, terrorist extremists yeah right? which we are not and we're, we don't, not, we're, we're like such ordinary middle-class yeah, respectable people yes we're very boring respectable people mm -hmm. and we'd like to be able to live uh, that way and for others to live that way as well even if they're not boring and even if they're not so respectable yeah. um and i think the question is out um how much does such surveillance actually work now if you're talking to the security apparatus they're going to say you don't know the kinds of things we've stopped because we have this information. And of course we don't, um, but, but we also, but how would we ever know? But we also don't know. Um, uh, we also don't know what things have, we have stopped from coming into being by having such a controlling system. Yeah. What good things have been killed or suppressed or never had a chance because of the same processes. Yeah. Right. That we yeah. can't know either. Opportunity cost. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the, the scene, the Bastiat's scene and the unseen. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we are. Uh, international travel in this brave new world. Um, I'm hoping that over the next few months, the restrictions will continue to diminish. Um, uh, but we'll see. Uh, after 9-11, uh, none of that stuff seems to have gone away. And um, um, I'm pretty sure that me taking my shoes off those hundreds of times has really not saved anybody anything. And um, I'm sorry that, uh, um, that we live in a world that is... Uh, where movement is so controlled as it is um, um, much more than it has been and for a very long time. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> On that note. Uh, <laughs> happy travels. Happy travels. <laughs>